my friends, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we invite presence, inspire purpose, and ignite passion in the hearts to spread God's love throughout the world. If you missed last week, that's your fault, because today, again, we have Michael Bartel in our studio. And if you did not hear his story, I want you to go back, stop, and listen to how he got involved into anti-trafficking work. As all of you know, I am so passionate about this work because of my own personal story of being trafficked in the free country of the United States. Speaking of free, Michael's agency is called Free International. And I'll let Michael tell you a little bit about him and what that stands for. Michael, thank you for coming yeah, back. Yeah, thank you. Let's do our part two because we were just getting into the thick of things. Just going. Yeah, what does Free International stand for? What's the acronym? Acronym stands for Find, Restore, Embrace, and Empower. Okay, yeah. and we're talking about trafficking victims, right? That's right. Helping mm-hmm. them. Yep, absolutely. And you talked earlier about you and your wife getting involved with this work. You had the brave part of your life moved to India mm-hmm. for four years coming and going with a project rescue project rescue yeah. and houses all over India. Tell us more about that work because obviously in the United States, it looks totally different. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. It, you know, even though the exploitation is just as real and deep, uh, obviously, in different cultures, they're going to have different ways that it presents itself. In India, um, when we were there, uh, you'd have these large red light districts all over the country, uh, separated spaces in the city that during the day it would be all legitimate businesses. And at night it would just turn into uh, one large brothel area. Right. And uh, the further you'd get down those alleyways, the younger and younger those girls would get. Oh, um, my goodness. But and, could, was there like a guard? To stop you? Uh, Yes and no. I mean, people knew what was there and they had their protections. And and that was part of the problem when we were there, uh, especially is is, uh, those girls in that that district didn't have any real rights. They weren't Mm -hmm. voting. And so when they would, like they do in our country, when they would kind of separate out different voting blocks, you know, and uh, in each city, in each area, they would kind of demarcate that area as its own voting block. And so those who would profit from those brothels were the ones who carried all the power, even politically, right? And so to, to, it wasn't hard to see what was going on. The finding those who were being exploited was very easy. It was then navigating, how do you get them out of that situation? And, and really, how do you shut down some of those brothels? Uh, I mean, how, how could you? This is like corrupted politically, mm-hmm. and then the police department, mm-hmm. and the entire tourist industry. Yep. Like a lot of it is funded by trafficking. Yep. And could you tell me how trafficking looked? You said some of the girls were teenagers. Yeah. Some of them were obviously, were there some in their 20s as well? Yeah, I mean, by the time, by the, you know, a lot of the girls that were being exploited weren't even from that country, right? They were being brought in from Nepal and other places. And, um, but by the time they hit their 20s, they'd already spent many years being exploited in that red light district. And so, so that was a lot of our work. Once you get them out, how do you, how do you create industry so that they can, you know, uh, take care of themselves and their right. children? How do um, they get restored? Yeah. How, how, can you tell me how bad um, 
the trauma was for these ladies that were getting out in their 20s yeah yeah i mean it was significant and and again i mean i know you you've somebody you're somebody who's experienced trauma um you know the levels of trauma i i would say are are not dissimilar mm-hmm. but but there's these different frames for which that took place there i mean um there's a theological structure there you know reincarnation uh thinking sure. there's a not legal but a caste system in that country um, that functions even though it's not technically legal and so can so you explain that the caste system just kind of shuffling of importance of a category of people right so the lower caste would definitely be you know those who do the most menial work those who could be enslaved and when you when you bring bring a caste system structure and overlay it with a theological structure of reincarnation and other things so you continually own, yeah, punished yeah you're always punished and you're being punished because of something you did yes, in a previous life. life or whatever so you never does, can escape that right and you're mm-hmm. stuck in this repetitive system mm-hmm. of slavery yep absolutely but by the way it's your fault yeah you were born into this because you did something bad yeah. in your past life. Yeah. And it became generational. I know we worked a lot with a group called International Justice mm-hmm, Mission there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were there, there was a labor trafficking case where a man in his 60s was um, rescued out of it. Uh, but he was third generation paying off. It was like a $3 debt from his grandfather that was still being held over him as third generation 60-year-old man. You said a $3? Yeah, it was like three or six bucks. It was really menial, the original debt. But it was used and compounded over the years to enslave that family for three generations. That is insane. Yeah. This this sounds like hell. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just, I can't imagine why people would do this. Mm-hmm. Why are people doing this? Yeah. Well, what is the reason? I mean, we understand greed. Yeah, greed. Um, is it you know, not? just power dynamics obviously play into it. Um, a, a lot of what goes on even here is multi-generational. Even those who exploit, you know, they're they're kind of groomed as an exploiter from, you know, their younger days. It doesn't right. justify any of it. It just makes it, it compounds the complexity in bringing help and ending this when, when it's embedded from birth, a lot of what goes on. You know, you were saying that when you were walking down the different streets, as you got deeper down each alleyway, the ladies would get younger. Mm-hmm. And how young are you talking? Well, are you going to shock me right now? Well, I, I know the youngest girl we worked with in our, our homes was eight years old. Uh, that was in the homes. When w- w- uh, looking like I look, I wasn't able to, you know, get back there because I'm either buying or I'm, the, you know, going to cause problems. Yeah. yeah, you have to be an actor. In That's other right. Words. But but the nationals there say the further in, back in the area, the they use the term daycares. They become mm-hmm. more and more, they look like daycares rather than brothels. The deeper you get uh, oh into those Oh my gosh, districts. so there's a front of a daycare. No, it's not a front, but the, the age of the girls is so young, it it looks less like a brothel and more like a daycare because the, they're really young children. I, I just, I'm blown away by that. Yeah. Um, I have heard of children being trafficked, obviously like in other countries and even parts of India mm-hmm. were their babies. Mm-hmm. And how, how could that even be a thing? Yeah. Like, how could you, it, I, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm a, yeah. Yeah. The, the, I had a pastor one time, <laughs> um, he used to always say, Hey, there's no bottom to bat. 
right? That doesn't mean everyone's as bad as they are going to be here. Right. It just means that when people give themselves over to right. certain things, there's just no bottom to how low people can go. Where do you think that is is rooted in, Michael? Because we know porn has a huge part yeah. to play in that, mm-hmm. that where someone uh, has that appetite to want to purchase a child, a child, mm-hmm. like a baby mm-hmm. that's still in its diapers. Mm-hmm. How, where does that, how does it get to that point? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but I think, again, that, that whole process of there being no bottom to bad, that once you give yourself over to certain fantasies or thinking right. and you want to play that out, then then been there, done that. You move on and it just drives, you know, drives particularly men deeper and deeper in, into these spots. Uh, not everyone I've had to uh, interact with who've been addicted to porn ever went there, right? Not everyone's right. so inclined to go that direction. Right. But um, once you objectify and, uh, and start to go that road, it gets a lot easier if, if you're inclined to go that way. Is it possible that these buyers were once abused severely? Yeah, I think Or in a twisted way? came from a family that was just like into buying children and it's a generational curse that's on their family. Yeah. I've seen that. Both the things you said I've seen play out. I've also seen independent uh, kids, um, young age, just again, not, not seek help for their situation and what they're in and, and become exploiters, even if it wasn't put into them uh, in that process. Because it's a natural part of just falling into the surroundings and the environment. Yeah, and it's easier to do when 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 you're when you're looking to satisfy that need and you're a fifteen year old kid, you're not gonna be able to play it out with your own age group or older normally. So you look for the vulnerable, you look for the weak, and then you you know, you become abusive in that situation so you can fulfill your desire. Yeah, my ex trafficker, one of them anyway, he was into children and he was on the street when he was very young. Mm. And so he was attracted to younger females Mm. that were very young Mm. and it disgusted me. Mm. I didn't know about it until later, but pedophilia is real. And I do know that a huge portion of those men are from where? that go to Asia to buy mm-hmm. and to India. Where are they from, Michael? Yeah, here from the West. Isn't that sad? Yep. Yeah. What, what got your heart angry? Because there has to be some sort of passion yeah. for the, for the loss to be found mm-hmm. in your heart to start free international. What made you, I mean, did you get angry? Yeah. I'm just curious because yeah, I get angry every what day. What does a man think? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know how. A society can hurt people, and where it's like where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a woman, so I want to hear a man's perspective. Yeah. Why do you think this is happening? Well, in part. Um, again, uh, we can go to porn. Right. We can just go to what we allow, right? right. The things that we allow, 
those you're going to see the worst of the worst take advantage of that right and you know we both live in vegas here you know when when we've done work and outreach on the um you know to the ladies here in las vegas uh if law enforcement is arresting um the johns they're surprised that they're getting arrested i mean isn't it legal <laughs> here isn't it you know so so that permissive mindset. I think sometimes they pretend. Well, I'm sure they pretend, yeah. <laughs> and I know some of them do believe it's legal. They, They're like, what? It's legal. They, what's the big deal? I mean, it's Vegas, right? Right. right. Um, but, but my mindset is where things are allowed, where things are permitted, you know, you're going to get not only what's permitted, but you're going to get well beyond that. And, right. and that's what we've seen everywhere we've done this work around the world is, is people who, who, who want to do bad things are going to find ways to do it. And the more permissive a culture is, the more those who aren't necessarily looking right. to go down that road, but it's available to them. And those moments will will also take advantage of it. None of it. None of it's good. Right. Um, I, I think there's so much of what can be accomplished by strengthening our families. Right. By men being good fathers to their daughters. Right. right being right. present, showing affectionate love toward their daughters. To me, that's almost Teflon yeah. um, for those who would be coerced or look no, to be right. exploited down you, the road. When there's that strong relationship, I mean, you were talking about your daughter earlier. Mm -hmm. When you have that strong relationship, it is like such a protector. It's like Ephesians yep. 6 yep. on that person. It's like armor that's automatically put on. That's right. It's some guy comes up and goes, oh, hey, beautiful. Mm -hmm. You're looking pretty hot today. Mm -hmm. And your daughter would probably say, <laughs> Hit yeah. the road, dude. Move on. Move on. Are you a loser? <laughs> yeah. Like only a yeah. loser would say something stupid like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so you got passionate and Free International. I know that. Can you share some of the work is towards children? Mm -hmm. You guys go out and you physically look. Some of your outreaches, right? Mm -hmm. This That's isn't right. everything you do, but tell yeah. us about what you do. Let's, well, let's unwrap it a little bit. You know, the first thing is, you know, our F of our name is you got to find, you know, find, you can't find what you're not looking for. Right. And so to leave where we're at, to go search for those who need help. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we do that you referred to, we call the big search. It actually was started as a Super Bowl outreach from Brad Dennis. He's our national search director. Um, back in 2009 at the Tampa Bay Super Bowl because he was uh, a very reputable um, search and rescue person for missing kids at that time. And he was noticing kids that are going missing were being exploited at high levels. So wanted to take the opportunity around an event like the Super Bowl to get people involved to search for that city's missing kids, most vulnerable of their missing kids, not just those who are couch surfing to take their parents off or whatever. Not that that should happen either, but to mobilize a city, you want the most vulnerable to be searched for. Sure. And so in a nutshell, we kind of, for lack of a better term, go like a top 30 list of a city's uh, most vulnerable missing kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we mobilize a city and, and work with law enforcement and other not-for-profits over the course of a week to find those top 30 missing kids. And uh, it's been very successful. Last year in Vegas, um, when we did the one here, uh, we were given 63 kids to look for. We were able to find 48 over the wow. course of the big search. Mm -hmm. That's like 
like what, 80, 75% of them. Yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing. That's incredible. But when a city rallies to do that, right. again, you can't find what you're not looking for. So if you did this by yourself only with no partners, do mm-hmm. you think you would have found all those kids? Not even close. No. Maybe no. 10% maybe? Yeah. Well, I mean, and it'd take a much longer period of time. Sure. Because there's, like in the organization, we talk collaboration a lot too. Yeah. I mean, uh, Annie can only do what Annie can do. Right. But but all of us working together all of a sudden creates a whole different dynamic. That's that, so incredible. Yeah. So you guys found 48 kids yeah, out of 62. Just out of that one. 62. Out of 63. Yeah. Oh, 63, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mm-hmm. what else do you guys do? Well, we have um, we have a shelter in the Midwest for that have been for traffic miners. Mm-hmm. We do drop-in centers. Uh, you great. have a, a, a vehicle. We have lots of vehicles. We actually, a group oh, called Speed the Light. Okay. Yeah, um, has, ha, they are vehicles. They were actually started as a uh, organization that would give uh, missionaries overseas vehicles. So when they landed, they would speed the light into the country they were landing in. They started taking on bigger projects. And they've given us about a million and a half dollars worth of uh, equipment. So we got mobile medical units. We got all sorts of... Wow. Uh, you know, kind of central to what free believes, you know, out of the Psalms, it says God is our refuge and our strength, mm-hmm. very present in time of trouble. So our, our goal with the mobile units is how can we be very present in our most neighbor, uh, vulnerable neighborhoods offering, you know, help that will get right. uh, to those who, who need out of their situation. And so we provide tattoo removal mm-hmm. and medical care and a lot of different services, almost like a mobile drop-in center yeah. where we're taking what's needed into the neighborhood rather than trying to get people to come over to where we're at. Yeah, because it's like a, it, it's like you're going in like kind of like a portal and you're dropping in somewhere where nobody would es- expect. Mm-hmm. And then there's this rescue uh, and, and some people get mad and that's too bad. I'm sorry. Get mad at me for saying rescue, 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 because mm-hmm. people need to be rescued sometimes. It's okay to use that word, right, Michael? Yeah, I, it's okay. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> Me either. Yeah. So, so don't get offended, everyone out there. But I, I wanted you to talk too because I think it's great. Uh, you know what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for your work. Well, thank you. Especially coming from a man. This is not a woman, you know, born agency. This is you and your wife mm-hmm. seeing the need, and you being the man, the head of the household, saying let's do this. I'm sure it was mutual, but Mm -hmm. you are the head of your household and your heart towards people that are being exploited is absolutely beautiful and huge and it's needed. Mm. Men need to step up. And I'd like you, if you could, I mean, besides talk about collaboration, (laughs) because Michael, listen, we can't do this work alone. I, I just find it really funny how people just start organizations when there's organizations in their own neighborhood already mm-hmm. that they haven't even called or asked to come and volunteer mm-hmm. or ask how they could give or donate to or help, but yet then they just start their own thing, which isn't bad, but sometimes it's not good because now you're starving other orgs of the attention they need and the finances they need to keep going and reach more people because they know how to do it. Mm -hmm. The new orgs are just the new kids on the block. They don't Mm -hmm. know how to do it yet. Mm -hmm. Could you speak to the men out there that are maybe stuck in porn and maybe, you know, they need to step up to the plate and do something and maybe they're lost. Like, what would you say to someone that is 
part of the problem? And then what would you say to someone that is that used to be part of the problem that now wants to do something? Your camera's right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, this to the men out there. Um, absolutely. You know, uh, having been in this work for a while now, you're exactly right. It, it lacks uh, as big a male presence as is needed. And I, I think part of the reason for that is um, uh, there's shame and guilt going uh, that the enemy will use to keep people out of the help they could be giving. And, and you know, I mentioned it already. If you're out there and you're, you're a father, um, you need you need to be loving your wife. Um, yeah. You need to be loving on being present with your daughter and your sons. Um, you need to be a parent, you need to be a husband. Uh, in those strong family relationships, uh, you build not only a Teflon presence with your family, but your family becomes um, a beacon of light into this world, into their schools, to help those who are in bad situations. Uh, not just to self-protect, but to empower so we can be more present among those. If you're looking at porn, you need, you need to find somebody who can help you stop. I mean, porn is an addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Addiction needs outside help to address. And you need to find that outside help. Uh, there's help all over, a growing army of groups addressing this issue that you can find help with and churches that are there to help those who are wanting to help. Because that only adds to the problem. You don't know what's going on on the other side of that camera that you're getting off on. Um, there's all sorts of exploitation that is happening there. Um, and uh, you need to stop. But I don't say that as a place of shame. I say that as a place of your identity is uh, can be in Christ and your purpose is to father, uh, be a great father and a great mm -hmm. husband. So do that. On top of that, we need more men to get involved with what's going on right. in all these areas of exploitation. There was a event I was a part of a few years ago, and it was for families of victims of serious crime. Mm -hmm. There was all sorts of types of crime that affected these families. A lot of females who had been raped or kidnapped or uh, had somebody murdered or the uh, woman was murdered. And uh, when I showed up at this event, there was like 400 people there. But the only men at the event uh, had a flag pin on, so there were a politician there to speak, uh, or they were law enforcement. There was no men from the community to be present in the lives of those who were hurting. And that was in my head, a wake up call, you know, to be able to say, hey, men aren't only the problem to this issue, we can be the miracle, right? The miracle, Aaron from my team says that all the time, right? Men are the miracle to see commercial sexual exploitation and uh, sexual abuse and all those things that are happening uh, to our females stop. Not just by not participating in it, but being very present among those who need our help. So men, um, you know, it's time to step up, get off the couch, help search for kids, be present with great organizations mm. like uh, like yours, and um, and be present in your family's life. Thank you so much for that, Michael. It takes a, a brave man to say what you just said. You mm. know that it really does, mm. and not that you were shaming anyone, because honestly, shame actually is a tool too. Yeah. Because we, shame is not a bad thing it's if not it's a focused bad thing. the right way. It, mm -hmm. Exactly. And mm -hmm. um, I want to thank you so much for your work and mm -hmm. 
for things that you've done. And I've seen things that you've done, even in my own life. And I, I, we appreciate you as an organization. And I, I just back up and commend the work you're doing. And I pray that it grows and that Free and National is everywhere. Because what does free stand for? Tell us again. Find, restore, embrace, empower. Let's say it together. Find, Find, restore, restore, embrace, embrace, empower. And where can people get a hold of you? Go to freeinternational.org. We have big searches going on all over the country. Sign up for them. So they can come over and be a part of that solution, even in their own city. Fly to Vegas and come hang out with you. We're doing one in Minneapolis in August. They're going to be all over the country. So, I mean, also, you know, if people need help, what if someone's stuck in porn? Mm-hmm. What if someone's like stuck in a situation and they're, you know, part of trafficking? Can they call you in confidentiality? Absolutely. To get some help. And and we're connected to a lot of great help all over the country, um, and have some great um, great people on our team who are therapists who deal with men all the time uh, in their addictions like this. So we can help. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for coming on Pink Chair today, and friends. It's so important that you understand that this is not just a woman's rescue help issue. Men, we need you. We've been needing you to step up to the plate for not just a couple years. We're talking all the way from the beginning of time. And that's why Jesus is our answer. I say this a lot, but I'm going to say it again. He is the original trauma-informed care because he is love what would jesus do would he reach out to these victims of trafficking would he rescue these victims of trafficking would he show up with a uh, medical van like michael does with free international and remove tattoos and feed and clothe these women and children and boys and girls yes so we have a duty to do everyone Join together. If you want more information, don't forget, go to Free International. Get all to Michael. And again, thank you, my friends, for watching us, for listening to us today. It's been so great to have you on Annie's Pink Chair. And we'll see you next time. Hi, friends. It's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair. And I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here? The peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees. This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. Hi, Annie Lobert here, and I talk a lot about my story, and I relate it to a lot of the talks I have with my guests and my own little preaches that I do on this show, and I just wanted to inform you about my book that I wrote. This was my name when I was in the game, Fallon. My name was Fallon York, but this is Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. Super simple. Go to our website, pinkchair.org. You can get your own book. This reads like a movie. But not only that, my friends, this shows you what sex trafficking is in our own backyard, the United States.
It also talks about the destiny house, a place and also the dream house where we bring our victims of trafficking to turn them into victors of trafficking, where they get trauma therapy, they get stabilized from their terrible abuses they've been through. And they have equine therapy, art therapy, they get their own personal trainer. You guys name it, they get it. They get new clothes, they're fed, and guess what? It's free, 100% free. That's why my friends, I need to ask you a big favor. We do nothing but donations to keep this place open and we need your help right now. Would you please go to pinkchair.org and click on donate? We have two houses and three apartments. Thank you so much for donating to pinkchair.org.